Hi, everyone. I'm Aviva Rumani, and this is Kindred Cast, our podcast featuring insights from dealmakers and thought leaders from the world of tech, media, and everything in between. Kindred Cast is a production of Kindred Media, powered by LionTree, a global merchant and investment bank. On this week's show, we are thrilled to speak with the legend, Serena Williams, tennis record holder, entrepreneur, and inspiration to women and men alike around the world. Serena tells LionTree's CEO, Arie Borkoff, about her new routines, the lessons she's learned from this moment, and the investment strategy driving her successful business ventures. Also, we wanted to remind you that Kindred Media has launched a new daily newsletter to point you to the most thoughtful, insightful, and entertaining content for you, your business, and your family. To sign up for Take a Break with Kindred Media, just click the link in our show notes. And now we are honored to feature our conversation with Serena Williams. Hi, everyone. I'm Arye Borkoff, CEO of LionTree. LionTree, as you know, is a global investment and merchant bank focused primarily on creative industries and the digital economy. And I'm thrilled today to be joined via video with the legend, the one and only Serena Williams. 23 Grand Slam titles, four Olympic golds, so many other accomplishments, and one of the most popular, if not the most popular, athletes of all time. Serena, thank you so much for joining me today. I've wanted to have you on our podcast for years now, so I'm so thrilled that you could be here. All right. <laughs> so first of all, how are you? I mean, this is a challenging time for everyone, and I know that uh, you're a person that loves routine and a structured environment, and it's been anything but that. So tell me about how you've been doing, how you've been spending your time, how you're getting through this. You're a very positive and determined person, but how's it all going? Yeah, it's going good. I feel good. Yeah, I think I'm a person that's used to routine and used to structure. And now that I don't have it, I'm just kind of thriving. But of course, I've made my own structure and I've made my own routine. Like I have my workout now that I'm training again. I'm working out in the mornings and then I have my time, a small block of just straight business, slow focused. And then the rest of the day I try to spend with Olympia and I maybe have one more call, but I really try to focus on spending time with my daughter. I still have a ton of structure. Yeah, probably you make your own structure, it seems like, but it's probably also in a lot of ways welcoming. I'm not traveling, obviously, at all right now, and so I get to spend more time at home with the family. You probably feel like that's been welcome for you, right? You've been spending your life in the office. Are you enjoying not doing that? The thing about being in the office is just making phone calls and being with your people, and I feel like I can find other ways to do that. So by, do you feel yeah. like this is going to change the way people even view offices? I think so. I kind of redefine subtraction as addition. So if you take away something from me like an office, that means I don't have the physical limitations of being in that office, but I, then I could cover the whole world from my home anywhere. No one has an office. So mm-hmm. I feel like I could go much more expansive by not having just a physical constraint. Right. I wonder how that will be in the future. Because first of all, if you're a company, offices are very expensive, especially in a city like New York or San Francisco. So then you have to look at the commercial real estate space. And then you start thinking, well, we kind of created and we stayed in business through COVID and we could not go to the office. And so now I feel like there's going to be an interesting conversation of, first of all, I can reach international better. I can have calls with Tokyo and London like that. I don't necessarily have to fly 
hundred hours a week, which I know you do for business. So I personally think it's super exciting because I think people really try to see now that, oh, we can do unbelievable board call on like a Zoom or Google Hangout or Google Meet. I also think it's for our generation where we have a community built, whether it's family or friends or even business contacts, your network is built, it's set. That can be activated remotely. It's much harder when you're trying to build that from scratch. And I sympathize with people that are at the early stage of their career, but we can activate these things and talk as friends and talk as business colleagues and opportunities anywhere now, you know? I've met a lot of business people and I'd say now, nice to meet you because this is the new way of meeting and I think it's kind of funny. But for us, with my company, I have a clothing line, S by Serena. We have always been on the edge of technology because I wanted to bring my experience of technology into the brand. And so we have an office for like our physical goods because in clothing, you have a lot of samples, but we have a small office, but we never really wanted to expand into something big. And then after this happened, we were like, God... Everyone's laughing at us, but this is what we're going to do. So we're glad we did that. And fashion, like I said, you have physical goods, so you have to have some place to put them. But it's just an interesting concept in the future. But I do get to wear these cool glasses because now I um, got my blue light lenses. I love them. They're fantastic. Yeah, I was saying I like them because they make me feel super nerdy and super smart. And we all know that's in. You have the whole package, including the smarts. But I want to talk about the fashion line, and I think being nimble is important. But first, I want to get to to sports, because I can't think of many industries that have been affected as much as sports, probably fashion and retail as well. But for sports, you have obviously a tremendous career so far, 23 Grand Slam singles titles, the most of any player in the open era. You're going for your 24th, and now you have this pause. Wimbledon was canceled completely. Who knows when the U.S. Open will be? The French Open looks like it'll be in the fall. How do you stay fresh and really thinking about that 24th title and the pursuit of it and everything else going on when there's so much uncertainty around the event and the sports? For me, it's a breath of fresh air, to be honest. It's like, all right, I don't have to think about anything. I took a lot of time off. I just started training because I was so injured for a long time. And I'm like, I don't to do this. So. You know, I took some time off and I just started training and I don't feel any pressure. I feel good. And I love it because this kind of gives you a glimpse up to my future. And I'm like, a lot of people go crazy, but I feel like it's cool and I'm dealing with it and I'm chill and I'm pretty chill in general. My name yeah. is Anna and I'm pretty serene um, <laughs> off the court. Yeah, I just feel like it's just relaxed. No one would say that you're chill on the court. I don't know anyone who could say that unless they're lying. <laughs> it's refreshing in a way to have a resting period. You are training, you are getting ready. Any feeling of how it's going to come back when it does come back? I have no idea. I'm just as curious as everyone. Like you said, sport has been really affected. And yeah, we have people out here in our sport that live to play tennis. And so they currently don't have an income because if they're not playing and getting paid to go to these tournaments and they don't have an income. So it's kind of really scary for a lot of players. I've been playing for well over two decades, so I'm in a different position. But if you just start out, it's not a great place to be in. So it's a lot of things that brings a lot of questions now, what's going to happen and this could happen again or let's prep for it. So how do you make things better for the players who inevitably are the content that tennis has. Correct. And obviously you have to be ensured that it's going to be safe, not only for the fans, but for the players. 
but tennis is one of the sports where you feel like there's social distancing already because it's not obviously a contact sport and you're far enough apart where you could see it be one of the first sports that does come back, I think. You could say that, but then it's also international sport. So that brings a whole different set of problems because I don't know what's going to happen to international traveling. I feel like traveling is back, but I don't know. I haven't been reading the news or listening to the news. So I don't know because we're so international. It's a big question as to how that's going to operate and how people feel about other countries and playing with Americans or Americans playing with other countries. So we'll see. Yeah, that's true. But you're staying fit. You're ready to go whenever it comes back. I'm trying, you know, I'm not currently not ready to play any tournament. Thank God there's none right now because I would be not. Makes two of us, by the way. I'm not ready either. So I'm taking this time. I just started, so I'm getting there. Okay, good. Well, it must be nice to have some time with the family. Obviously, uh, I've met both your husband and your wonderful, beautiful daughter. I've always been interested because you've actually like incorporated technology, I've noticed, and the way that you talk about your family, I mean, you announced your marriage on uh, Reddit and you announced your birth on Snap. And I think that's so interesting that you've always used this new distribution mediums and social media to talk about these things. You know, I love technology. I love parts of it and some parts I don't love, but some parts I really do enjoy. The announcement on that platform was really cool. I do not believe in getting drowned in technology. You can come home and spend the whole time like in front of your phone or on the computer. And I feel like you really need to have boundaries with technology. And I try to have boundaries with it. If you create that, then you'll be fine. So that's what I try to do personally. I know it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. A lot of people you go to restaurants uh, before the COVID-19 break or isolation and you'd see families at the table all on their phones. And now what you really were missing was the table, not the phones, because now you have time actually to be with the family. And what you weren't missing is the technology. You were missing really just the compassion and the togetherness, the connectivity, you know? That's actually a rule in our family. We're not allowed to be on the phones at dinner. That's a rule for Olympia. We should make that for us too. Yeah. Yeah, a rule for our daughter. I'm going to tell Alexis we need to make that for us. It's <laughs> a good idea. I want to talk about the different men in your life because when we first met, you said to me something about the boldness that your father has continued to teach you. And I think for everyone, they look at you as a global role model for women, which is, of course, the case. But you're also a role model for men because men have been such an important part of your life. And I mean, obviously, your husband and Alexis is very important, but your father, Richard Williams, has been and continues to be such a strong influence in your life. So tell me about how you think of the men in your life. And obviously, your coach, Patrick, you have a lot of great men in your life that uh, have inspired you, probably. How do you think about that versus just being there for the women? Yeah, I feel like I talk a lot about women and empowering women. And that's my mission, especially after having a daughter. But I always try to make it clear that some of the biggest influences in my life, the biggest has been probably my dad. We're really close still. He goes like two days without calling me. I get really nervous. I'm like, where are you? Why haven't you called me? Are you okay? And it's really important for me for a woman to have a strong man in their life, whether it was their father or someone else. 
it's diversity. It's diversity all over again. It's like you just can't have one type of person in the room. You want to be able to diversify that. And so everyone talks about diversity and it's not just in color, but it's also in sex as well. So you want to diversify that. I have a lot of strong men in my life, like my dad and my husband, obviously, and Patrick as well, who's been my coach for a number of years. And it's so funny. All those men in my life have only women in their life. Like Alexis, my husband, it's my family. He has two sisters and my family is basically all girls. And my dad, he was the only son from his mom. And then he had only sisters. Then he had us and we grew up with five sisters. And then Patrick, as you know, he has one son, but he's older and he has four daughters. <laughs> So I don't know if that's me attracting all these girl dads or guys that are only around women. And uh, they just have this different respect and this different look and this different outlook because, again, their family's diversified. They know how women are different and how they cherish and respect and to treat and to love and to uplift a woman. I guess I tend to have those kinds of men in my life and it's been really amazing and I like to always just talk about that. You can't just rely on one type of person. It has to be different. Yeah, well, you're relying on the right qualities. You're demanding the right qualities. That's the standard, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, I love the fact that you have that way of thinking about the men in your life and the standards that you demand from them and all of us. I put myself in that category for you that I'm grateful to be a friend. But I want to ask you about your dad. You talk about his role of pushing you to be not just the best you can be, but bold, which means kind of like getting outside the box and thinking about that. Is that like how you're taking from him in terms of building your portfolio of business assets and how you think about, you know, obviously your excellence on the court, but what is it about that characteristic that you get from him every single day that drives you? My dad is a master business guy and a master marketer. He did everything with my sister and myself just by himself. He didn't go to school. He didn't graduate this crazy college. He just has this mental thing in his mind. He's ahead of his time. And it's cool that he is so with it like that. He made me sit in the room when I was 15 or whatever, when he was negotiating my deal, my first contract with Puma. And I learned so much from that. And we had different lawyers and it was their lawyers and it was our lawyers, but it was led by my dad. And I remember falling asleep literally and waking up two hours later and we're still sitting at this big board table. And I was like, oh my God, we're still here. But it was a lifetime experience that I've put into my life and I still do myself. And I learned so much from that and so many tips from that. And I didn't realize I was like a sponge soaking up all this knowledge and soaking it all up. And um, now I really feel like a lot of the stuff that I do, my visions, and it's so out there and it's so different and it's so wild, but it's so fresh. Even with the companies that I've started from Serena Ventures or to by Serena Fashion, all of it is so innovative and just a breath of fresh air. Yeah. There's actually a movie about your father coming out, I think next year, called King Richard, starring Will Smith. So that'll be great. Because of COVID, I know they had to stop filming, so... I don't know how that's going to get finished. Yeah, everything is on pause right now, but hopefully... uh, We'll see, but that was shooting, and they were making great progress, and I did have a moment where I was like, wow, this is about 
my dad and us. You grow up and you're thinking, oh, I want to be a movie star, but you never think there's going to be a movie about you. And again, it's not about me. It's about him. You feature prominently. I haven't made it there yet, but he has. (laughs) If there was a movie about you, who do you think should play you? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Honestly, probably some upstart young person that's wild. (laughs) Have you been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance? No, I haven't. I was waiting on the whole thing to be finished and then binge, binge, binge. Yeah, it's great to relive those moments. I don't know. I guess I was so much watching tennis and I just wasn't focused on anything else. So it was just a different experience for me. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I was also so young and I was not into basketball. And I was also like a major Laker fan because I lived in LA. So if they were out, I was out. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about that when you watch it. But let's talk about your investment business, because one of the things that you and I've been talking about a lot is not only how to invest in this time, but also what the focus area should be. And you've had tremendous success so far. I mean, starting with the groundbreaking dynamic of you and Venus as minority owners in the Miami Dolphins, like the first African-American women to have any real ownership in an NFL franchise. But then when you look at your investment strategy, you have this model called Ignite Change, which I love because... You know, investing is all about motion. Things only have value when they're moving. So things that don't change don't have value. I always say stagnation is decay, but motion is value. It sounds like you have the same philosophy. So how do you think about investing and how do you think about your female orientation when you come to investing as well? Investing is really important for us. Like you said, we have this thing that is about igniting change. So what we do is we invest in founders who are changing the world with their ideas and products. So we have maybe over 40 now. We have about 12 billion market cap of the portfolio. And then 60% is diverse founder investors. So we don't have that 12 billion to be clear. That's what everything in our portfolio, okay, you get it. What that means is we pick out really great companies like Masterclass, which is obviously doing really well. Every time I see something else pop up, I'm like, ah, that's a part of us. We do love to invest in seed rounds. So we are a really early investor. A lot of our stuff is seed or maybe A. We don't really like to do too much more after that. I would say about 85% of our portfolio is founded that way. Yeah, I was saying that sometimes when I'm looking on Instagram or whatever, and I see an ad for Masterclass, which is one of our portfolio companies, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, wow, Anna Winter just did a Masterclass. Yes. It works, right? From your investment to the actual application of your life, you know? Exactly. I also did a Masterclass too, but it's so wild because it just makes you so excited when you see all these things that you've worked on and that you've done and all of a sudden you just are rooting for these number of companies multiple 30 or 40 companies that we're rooting for but it's good but how does it inspire you what's the investment process not in terms of like your team and i know you have a great team is the person the entrepreneur the thing that first inspires you or is it the business model or is it health and wellness or the category or female founded businesses like how do you approach it First of all, we look at the companies that embrace diverse leadership. So that's one of the first things that we look at. So individual empowerment and creativity and opportunity, and they have to have that. So like I said, we focus on early stage. And then a lot of our companies, they could be B2B companies, or they could be consumer good companies, or they could be things that bring innovation to the world. 
Our model of investing is more or less listen. We are investing in the founder, the diverse leadership. We want to make sure that there are um, plenty of women that have an opportunity to have a company that are looked at and that is seen. So the reason that it started, because I did investments before, but I never actually had Serena Ventures. So the reason that I started this was because at the time, I saw less than 2% of female companies, woman-owned companies were backed by VCs. And so I was like, listen, I don't have a VC fund, but I want to start something where I can start doing this. And I can start just making noise and maybe we can introduce them to someone, you know, that can actually get their main market and the cap of money that they need, or maybe we can help and be a strategic investor. So for me, that was really, really important. And I was devastated at that number. And I think that number is like up to like eight or nine now, which is still crazy. So terribly small, right? It's insane when you think about it. There's billions and billions and billions of dollars in VC companies, and they only get like eight to nine percent of that. That's like shocking, but it's better than two. But we still have an insane amount to go, so I still want to be able to make noise in that position. So, like I said, we really look at the individual. Obviously, the product has to be something that we're into. But it seems to be such an imbalance, like you said, with all this venture money being so concentrated to male-founded businesses that the product is almost secondary to just unwinding that bias that exists out there in the venture community by backing female-founded businesses, which is what you've uncovered and stimulated. Like you said, we have a long way to go. But ultimately, I think it's not just about the investment that you're making in the founder or the business. It's also applying your approach and your lens of the world, which I think is what is truly unique, you, into any business. And so I think that like your perspective of the world, which is Obviously, female empowerment, respect for the men in your life, diversity, standards of excellence, quality, things that mean something to you, like the igniting change, health and wellness. That perspective is what we've talked about a lot of being so valuable as you make those investments because the companies have what they have, but they don't have you. And so when you come into it, you bring all that to the table and then with some capital can really kind of change the course of their direction. Yeah, a lot of these people... It, an opportunity. I'm not trying to pontificate, but to see someone that has been successful on a different level. And what does it take to not only be successful, but to maintain success for a very long time? Not everyone has been able to do that on that level. So it's interesting for a lot of people and a lot of companies. It's like being inspired and in how, if you did it, then how do we do it? And how can we apply that method into our business? That's really, really, really important for people to know that. And it basically takes hard work and it takes a lot of work that people in general don't want to do. And that's okay, but they need to know that that's what it takes. It's really important for me to share that message and get these people to understand, like, if you want to run a successful company, it's going to take sweat and tears. And you know, you know way better than I know. And it's going to take a lot of hours that you don't want to do. And it's going to take a lot of sacrifices and it's going to take a lot of dedication. Oh my God, am I talking about tennis or am I talking about business? Because it actually a lot of stuff that's connected like that. So I think the way that people see whether it's sport or running a business, that's a lot of similarities that make it combine in order to be successful. Yeah, the entrepreneurial instinct and spirit is the same when you're on the front lines playing your sport at the highest level or you're in the front lines 
running your business at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're doing it in a way that's disruptive because you're not an incumbent in terms of a business, you're actually building these communities and these businesses from a venture lens all the way through. Many don't make it. So you have to really be always winning and bringing it every day. And then I was wondering the other day, I wonder if people actually start businesses knowing they're not going to make it, but they know that they can raise a lot of money, maybe because they're a white guy and they can just have a free check for a couple of years and then they just go about their life. So that was something that I was thinking about. If you want to make it, you have to be able to put in the hours. It takes so long to find a good team member or a leader or a COO. Or It took us over a year and a half to find a COO for us. And over that year and a half, we weren't searching every day because that would include weekends, but pretty much. It takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication. It's one of the hardest things to do, I think. Building a family is difficult. Obviously, careers are hard. But building a company from scratch that can see it all the way through is rare. It takes a lot of luck. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of variables coming in the right place. And it takes the right capital and the right partners and the right people around you all the time. And that's what's so sad. It takes the right capital or it takes capital. So if <laughs> only 8 or 9% or less than whatever are getting this, then how are we ever going to see a difference if all the money is going to the same type of person? Also, people of color get even less than that. They're at like yeah. 0.2%, percent zero point two. And for me being black, obviously I want to talk about that. You can influence it. You can change it. I don't know if I can change it, but we are going to start a fund and we are going to try to change that. I think investing for you is going to be an important part of your life for a long, long time. And obviously could go on well beyond any playing days. Also scales your time when you're investing, you don't have to be there for it to work. You trust the team and the founders, but I envision for you the fun part of the business and the venture part of the business in the way that your approach really dictates unique to you, growing in size for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I hope so. I can say that even now it is one of the most rewarding things. And I get a lot of passion from fashion. I get a lot of passion from tennis, but I haven't felt this fire and this excitement or sense tennis. It's wild because I absolutely love learning about these companies and deciding, okay, well, we can help you or no, we can't. Or, you know what, we like you, but you need help in terms of you need a better structure or you need to provide more information about what you're offering. So for me, I just absolutely love doing that. And it's wild. I never thought that that was something I would like, but I'm not surprised because that's my dad. He was a businessman. That's what he was first. And if you think about everything that he's done with myself and my sister, he had to create something that got people excited or else no one would have ever believed in him. Who's going to believe that these black girls from Compton can be tennis players? In modern day terms, he had to come up with a marketing plan. He would have had to come up with a solution. He would have had to come up with finding people to invest. And he did all that. So it doesn't really surprise me now that I'm doing the exact same thing. Yeah. He built the business of Serena and the business of Venus, not just the athletes, and also the character of who you are. I mean, you stand for so much more than an athlete, obviously, and more than a business person, I think. You're a culture carrier of our time. I'm a clown, don't you know? (laughs) Well, 
when we go out to dinner and have some nice sushi, then we can have fun. Right? But otherwise, we're working. Ruined it for. I can't go to any Nobu ever unless I'm going with you. I just can't. I hope we can go back to restaurants soon. Because first of all, I'm starving. Second of all, I really want to go to dinner with you. I'm there. Believe me, we're going to make it work. Sushi's calling your name. Tell me about content. Because we've talked about your fashion business. We've talked about investing. We're talking about, obviously, tennis. But you are a brand in terms of the fact that you represent content. You obviously have an outlet for that content through social media and other things. But you also have a chance to really build a content production studio almost to really reflect your type of content. Like talking about your content strategy. Yeah, it's so wild. I'm getting so much content now and I have so much things that I'm just going through my brain. Like, I don't know if you saw this thing I posted on Instagram the other day. Actually, it was on TikTok. It was Serena versus Serena. It was something I needed to do for beats. And I was like, all right, how do I do this in the best way? And so literally directed it produced it, shot it, acted in it. And I was like, okay, this is so fun. I got this whole studio in my house now from Amazon. Like they have like lights and cameras and I just ordered it. And because I mean, you have to think I have worked with brands, but there's no job for me to do. And I'm not trying to lose my job. I don't play tennis. So I need to figure this out. Right. So I'm thinking, all right, so let me just be the best partner that I can be. So I try to do all my things in the best possible way. Husband got me this professional camera where we shoot a lot of content. It's really exciting and it's just open and it's really, really crazy and amazing and serious and wow. And then I just try to think of content. I have an e-commerce brand. We are direct-to-consumer. So how do I think of content? My whole thing is content. So I was joking with my team the other day, but I was really serious. I don't know if they knew I was serious, but I'm like, I'm also CMO of our company and CEO and... (laughs) I'm always thinking of everything that has to do with marketing and then that has to do with coming up with fresh ideas. So we're actually starting on Saturday. We have Serena Saturdays, which I'm going live on Serena's Instagram, not Serena Williams. Serena Williams is me, but Serena is my brand. Serena is my brand. So we're going live every Saturday on Serena where we kind of are like doing this QVC, HSN kind of thing, but it's more modern, more like, for lack of a better word, um, hip. Yeah. But it's only for like 30 minutes because I don't have all day and I have to be with my daughter and I'm doing it when she's on her nap schedule. And so we're going to roll that out this Saturday and we're going to call it Serena Saturday. So that's yet another piece of content. I'm like, okay, we need to do something for our brand. You know, we need to keep doing that. And then like with the fashion show, I was like, listen, I'm sick of seeing models do the exact same thing. What can we do different? So I came up with the idea of having a conversation with the designer with Anna Winter, which was like a dream. And she was like, sure, I'd do it. I was like, okay, cool. But again, that was just another idea and way to have really cool content and just be different. Again, I'm an e-commerce brand, so it's my job not only to design, but I have a desire doing that because I just can't do everything. But it's my job to think of the best way to run my brand and to run my company and to have it done in the best way. So that's just me just constantly thinking of different content. And then with the production company... There's lots of stories that I see. There's lots of things that I want to do. Like I want to tell the story of people that haven't been told. I want to bring good quality content that's not overly violent, that's nice family format, that is 
still exciting to watch on TV. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm doing. But it sounds like you want to marry the content with the e-commerce, which I think is kind of where things are going, right? You have a content strategy with a brand, and then there's an impulse buying perspective, which is direct-to-consumer. People can actually take part of that because they can purchase the products and play into the e-commerce trends. Exactly. Exactly. So that's definitely what we want to do, but it has to be available on the right platform. And I have a tremendous amount of ideas around that as well. How about the balancing of all these things, right? Because now we're all sitting here at home and the ideas are like pulsating because we're sitting here, it's almost like a form of meditation where there's a little bit of quiet and uh, the noise is removed and thankfully we're healthy, which is the most important thing. But then you start to have all these different ideas and how do you create the structure around what's the priority? And you're going to get busier again, hopefully as we get out of this. What's the priority? How do you think about balance or all these things in your life plus your family? Well, the main thing is the first thing in my life is God. It always should be and it always will be. And I'm making this time off has given me a lot of time to reflect on my spirituality. And so it's really important for me in my life to put him first. Then there's my family and then there's my job, which is tennis first. Tennis is first. And then after those two, it's then it's tennis. And my dad always said growing up, God, family, tennis, never put tennis first. And so I'm definitely keeping that. And then business. So that's why my day is so structured. We started out talking about I'm used to structured days and I don't have that much structure anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, but I kind of still do because I want to make sure that I spend the optimized time with my family, with my daughter, because I'm told that it goes fast and I don't want to miss a second and I want to be able to soak all that in and I'm going to blink and I'm going to be not able to do anything with her like this anymore. So I just want to make sure that I enjoy that time. You seem very Zen, which is good. I've been doing the same thing every Sunday. Now I'm having like a Zoom conversation with a rabbi just to go through perspectives and scripture and applying it to today and just getting some perspective so I can come into the week stronger and with a better view of how it all fits together. Yeah. It's just something that we were so busy and we can forget the most important stuff. And you said earlier, health. And yeah, you can't have everything in the world, but if you're sick and unhealthy and you can't enjoy it, then what's it for? So we just are really understanding and prioritizing things differently. Yeah, and everything that you mentioned on your priorities in life and in sport and business requires good health. If we didn't have health, no one would care what the markets look like. No one would follow it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You're on your last leg, and it doesn't really matter. So I feel like that's one thing that no one has ever promised is good health. It's sad, but when you do understand different things that the Bible does say, you know that there will be a time there everyone will have good health. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people out there that obviously are suffering and don't have the health and yeah. a lot in the African-American community disproportionate to anybody else. And it's tragic. And a lot of people don't have their jobs beyond even the health issues. So have you spent some time thinking about like how you're going to give back or help mend the world? So as I've been thinking about it as well, and obviously we can't do everything, but You've always been so philanthropic with everything you do, and now we're going to apply it to this moment. Thanks. So one thing that I did do at one point, I was like, hmm, I can't find masks. I don't know where to go get them. I tried to order them, and they were all sold out, or they were overpriced. And I was like, oh, well, if I can't find them more than what about everybody else? So yeah. 
I'm actually posting about it later today, but I teamed up with, I partnered with Bella Canvas, a really good friend of mine knows the CEO and they just basically for briefly shut down their factories and was like, we're just going to create masks. And I was like, wait a minute, how do I get my handle malls before they're all gone? How do I get those and then give them to underserved communities? And that's what's really being affected is underserved communities. So I went out and I got over 40, I think I got over 50,000. We just gave them all the way to places in Compton and also where I live locally in West Palm Beach. And we just literally gave them out. But then what I did was I put them on my website where we sell clothes. There are system failures going on all over the place in governments and everything else that we can't wait for them to fix it. One of the beautiful things about this country is that leadership can come from anywhere. can come from local government, CEOs, you. I mean, I think you're doing it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate it. I want to just finish off with a few uh, fun ones. What do you miss the most or who do you miss the most when we can get out of this period? And what are you going to do when you first get out of it? Well, I'm going to go to you in New York and we're going to Nobu. Yes. That's what I miss. I don't go out of my house a lot. So I'm really excelling. I'm like, okay, I don't really leave my house anyway. But I miss going to the movies because I love movie theater popcorn. I love movie theater popcorn. That's my favorite thing. So I really miss going to the movies. Will you go back to a movie theater after this? I will. I will go back. I might have to wear a mask, but I definitely want to go back. Yeah. I think the human spirit is such where we're going to go back to almost all the activities that we did before, maybe in different ways. And I can't see how it all works yet, obviously. But I think it's too simple to say, well, we did that before. We're never going to do that again. Yeah, so I think we will go back, and I agree with you on the movie theaters. Yeah. So what about a motto? You talk about your motto for um, Ignite Change for the investment strategy, but do you have a motto for life that you buy by or that you always think about? Nah, just God first and everything. Yeah. That's my motto. Yeah. And what's the best way you relax? When I sleep, because I don't relax otherwise. Or if Olympia sleep, then I'm so relaxed. But now she can tell I'm a little more anxious because she just woke up and we always watch Paw Patrol when she wakes up. So Yeah. Well, I really love talking to you about all this stuff. I really am impressed with everything that you're doing and I can't wait to be part of it in the future as we put some money to work and invest in new companies and think about obviously growing from here. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This was so fun, so chill, so relaxing. Bye, Serena. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, find us and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review as well as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on social media at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Listen to KindredCast on SiriusXM every Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Business Radio Channel 132 or stream shows on demand in the SiriusXM app. Audiation.